President Kimberly Brandon. Here. Commissioner John Burton. Yes. Commissioner Gail Gilman. Present. Commissioner Stephen Lee. Here. The San Francisco Port Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatishaloni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatishaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatishaloni community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Item number two is the approval of minutes for the December 13th, 2022 Port Commission meeting. So moved. Second. Commissioners, there is a motion and a second to approve the, the minutes. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes unanimously. The minutes of the December 13, 2022 meeting are adopted. Item number three is public comment on executive session. We will take public comment on executive session. Is there any public comment? At this time, Corey will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on executive session. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thanks, Corey. Uh, public comment is closed. Jenica, next item, please. Item number four is executive session. There is one executive session item, conference with legal counsel and real property negotiator as agendized. Commissioners, may I have a motion to go into a closed session? I so move. Second. We have a motion and second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes unanimously. We're TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. Thank you. 
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
of our closed session discussions? I so move. Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes unanimously. We are now in open session. Jenica? Item number six is the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Item number seven is announcements. Please be advised that the ringing of and use of cell phones and similar sound-producing electronic devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that a member of the public has up to three minutes to make public comments on each agenda item, unless the Port Commission adopts a shorter period on any item. Public comment must be in respect to the current agenda item. The Commission will take in-person and remote public comment on each item, beginning with commenters in person. For remote public comment, dial 1-415-655-0001 and enter access code 2496-714-3330 pound. During each public comment period, the moderator will instruct you to dial star 3 to be added to the queue for that particular item. An audio prompt will signal when it is your turn to speak. If you're watching this meeting on SFGov TV, there is a short broadcasting delay. To not miss your chance to comment, please dial when the item you want to comment on is announced, mute your device, and listen to the meeting from your telephone, which has no delay. Item number eight is public comment on items not listed on the agenda. We will take public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Is there any public comment in the room? Uh, Marina Sakatano. Number eight. No. I believe you'd want to speak after the director's report. Not quite yet. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone, any public comment in the room? You go ahead. Good afternoon, uh, President Adams, Commissioners, Director Forbes. My name is Robert Estrada. I'm the Regional Director for the Inland Boatmen's Union of the Pacific. And in September, we um, won an, well, we had an election, and we won an election to represent Alcatraz Cruises workers. And I'm basically here today with a small contingent of those workers to my left here, just to sort of formally announce and introduce our efforts to get a collective bargaining agreement with the company. Um, to date, uh, despite having uh, the election in September, we've only managed to have one um, negotiating session. We do have another scheduled for the end of this month, but it was hard to get that one. And uh, honestly, we, we really are optimists in this, and we're looking for cordial um, and cooperative um, conclusion to these negotiations. We hope that they're going to be done well, but we also recognize that as the summer season comes up, that things, you know, it could, the landscape could change if we don't get more negotiation dates under our belt. Um, one of the problems that we see as potentially uh, looming is the fact that there's a disagreement on, on the status of the captains. The NLRB made specific ruling that we should negotiate over unit placement of the captains, as highlighted in the document that I handed you. 
at our one meeting that we've had so far, the, it was indicated to us that the company intended to fight us on that, possibly try to drag it out through, uh, through an election and subsequent appeals and such. And we just, we just want to say on the public record that that is something that we do not see ourselves giving up on with the captains and the maintenance supervisor because they were both um, very enthusiastically in favor of the union. In fact, the captains were the first classification to come to us in mass and ask for our representation. So we couldn't walk away from them lightly. This um, should also be taken in context of the fact that Golden Gate Ferries, Blue and Gold, Red and White, Tideline Marine, Prop SF, all those captains are unionized. And the stance, the specious stance of the company to date is that they are deeming them supervisors and therefore ineligible. And yet, not only is it not ineligible, it's the norm on the bay. So we just wanted to make sure and have that on the record, make sure that you know where we're at with that. Um, finally, I would say that, uh, you know, I've been trying to reach out to the company all day today. So I don't, I'm afraid I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, the day after we had an, our one negotiation, one of those negotiating team members that was on our side of the table was terminated the next day. I don't know if, I don't know exactly all the details. I've been trying to get a hold of the, the manager all day, but I will say from what I understand, this, this negotiating team member was, was terminated for having left drips in the coffee drip tray under the thermos pot as a snack bar attendant. I'm trying to get more information, but that's, I don't need to say out loud, but I will that, that that's a bad look. And, and um, we just want to make sure that everything is out in the open and we look forward to uh, keeping you apprised. One last sentence, Senator Burton, I want to say thank you for all of your years for um, outstanding uh, support of labor and for the IBU and uh, thank you and, and congratulations on your retirement. We want to thank uh, Brother Robert Estrada, uh, Regional Director from the IBU, coming here today and giving us an update. Is there anyone else here uh, that want to speak on uh, public comment? Hit the mic, please. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. President, thank you very much for allowing me to speak. My name is Robert Hedrick. And I've been working as a snack bar attendant for Alcatraz City Cruises since June of 2021. And as you might know, we recently formed a union with IBU, ILWU, to win better conditions. And we decided to organize because we're dealing with extremely difficult working conditions. And we even have some workers who are trying to survive uh, here in San Francisco only making $19 an hour, may I say that includes me as well. And uh, that's not even close to making ends meet here in the city. Um, people have no idea what their days off are going to be like um, since there is no stability in, in uh, scheduling. And uh, even higher paid folks, uh, it goes the same for them. Uh, so we can plan out our lives and spend time with our families and, um, as I said, make no plans in general. Um, we're not asking for a whole lot. Uh, we just want to be able to make ends meet and have an actual good work-life balance. And um, that pretty much sums it up. What I have to say, I want to thank you very much for your time and listening to me. And I do hope uh, we find your support. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. 
is there a, a Jack Calvin? Jack, are you planning to speak on this issue also? And then after that, it'd be Tristan. Okay. Jack, you have the mic. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Jack Calvin. Uh, I'm a deckhand at Alcatraz City Cruises, uh, and I've been working there for about eight months. This past September, my coworkers and I voted 82% to form a union with the Inland Bowman's Union. Uh, in those four months since uh, we won our vote, uh, we've only had that one negotiating session as uh, Robert Estrada spoke on earlier. We had to push the company very, very, very hard to even get that one uh, negotiation date. We know how important it is to the city of San Francisco and to the port that our rights to uh, collectively bargain our contract are respected. So far, we've been the ones ready to meet in good faith with the company, and the company has been the ones dragging their heels, uh, making it difficult to meet with them and negotiate that contract. We want to ask the Port of San Francisco to help us and make sure that our rights to negotiate a fair contract are respected by Alcatraz City Cruises. It's not right for them to try and, and uh, make this take as long as possible and drag out this process. Um, I want to thank uh, President Adams and the rest of the commissioners uh, for having me here today. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Uh, Tristan, <coughs> got the mic. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen of the commission. My name is Tristan Seneff. I've been with Alcatraz Cruises as a deckhand for almost three years, as a senior deckhand for about the last two months. When we organized our union. We did it with all of us working together. Zephyr was actually started by the captains last year, though. They were the ones taking the lead, talking to us, talking to us about how we could push for better working conditions and a better working relationship with the company. In response during negotiations, the company has stated, as Robert stated before, that the captains are not considered eligible for the union, that they're considered supervisors slash managers, therefore they don't get the benefits of the work they've been putting in. I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right that the company is trying to divide us against each other. We're all looking to, to pardon me. We're all work, looking to work together to win better working conditions. There's nothing wrong with that. The NLRB has said that we need to sit down and negotiate over having the captains included with the contract. We want the port to support us in making sure that we're united going forward and not divided against each other. Thank you for your time, Commission. Thank you, President Adams. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to speak? And once again, we appreciate everyone for coming out. The commission, we really enjoy when the public comes out and hits the mic. This is, uh, this is your port, so thank you for using your First Amendment and your right to come out and to speak. Is there anyone else uh, on items not listed on the agenda? At this time, Corey will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thanks, Corey. Uh, public comment is closed. Jenica, next item, please. Next is item 9A, the election of Port Commission President and Vice President. 
I call for nominations of poor commission president. And at this time, I would like to nominate Kimberly Brandon for poor commission president. Are there any other nominations for poor commission president? Does she have any experience? <laughs> About 25 years. <laughs> Are there any other nominations for poor commission president? Are there any other nominations for poor commission president? Hearing no other nominations, nominations are now closed. We will take public comment on commission president nominations. Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none. At this time, Corey will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Adams. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on commission president nominations. Please dial star three if you wish to make co public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. And at this time, there is nobody on the phone waiting to make public comment. Thanks, Corey. Uh, seeing no more callers on the phone, a public comment is now closed. All in favor of Kimberly Brandon for Port Commission President 2023, say aye. Uh, aye. Opposed? Kimberly Brandon is the Port Commission President for 2023. Congratulations, Kimberly Brandon. Thank you. At this time, I call for nominations of Port Commission Vice President. I nominate for Port Commissioner Vice President, um, former President Willie Adams. Are there any other nominations? Going once, going twice. Hearing no other nominations, uh, the name of Willie Adams for Vice President is in. Nominations are now closed. At this time, we will take public comment. Is there any comment on Commission Vice President nomination? Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none, Corey will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon Adams. <laughs> At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on Commission Vice President nominations. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment. I would like to congratulate Vice President Adams on becoming Vice President. <laughs> I love it. I, I would just like to say that, huh? Oh, all in favor? Aye. 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 <laughs> okay, now he's officially Vice President. I would just like to say that, you know, um, it has been a pleasure working with President Adams over this past year, and I know that his touch goes way beyond the port of San Francisco. It reaches every waterfront around the world, and he has just been doing such a phenomenal job this past year in representing all of you, all of us, 
and he has big shoes to fill. So I, I'm looking forward to continuing to work with him to move forward with the Port of San Francisco and all that we have in front of us and on one of the best commissions in the city. I also want to say uh, congratulations, uh, President Brandon. Uh, it was a long year in 2022 with, I had a lot going on and I appreciate you stepping up and uh, taking the lead. And uh, we've got a lot of work to port going into 2023. We, I think we had a great year in 2022 and I think we'll have a greater year in uh, 2023. And we have the best commission in this city, pound for pound, um, I feel. And so we got a lot of work to do and so Let's get going, and uh, Madam President, I will move out of the chair. And, no, uh, you stay right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, you have the, you have the gavel now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jenica. Next item, please. Item nine B is the executive director's report. Good afternoon, Madam President Brandon, Vice President Adams, commissioners, port staff, members of the public. I'm Elaine Forbes, the executive director and happy 23 and happy Lunar New Year. We've had some serious storms that started our new year, uh, really relentless atmospheric rivers that tested our city infrastructure and caused flooding and damage and loss of life through the state. I wanna let you all know that our port team very swiftly responded to the emergency and they kept our people and our streets and our property safe. The, the team deployed sandbags, cleared drains, and made sure our floating assets were secured before the storms hit. They pumped out areas um, and triaged multiple power outages, which were very serious, and kept buildings warm and life safety systems working across our jurisdiction. We continued to step up for the city in a big way, too. There was emergency uh, management deployments to the EOC, which our, our staff met. And time and time and time again, we've stood up for our own disasters and for the city's disasters. And I always get very excellent feedback on port um, deploy, deployment folks. Sometimes city departments try to take them from us. They're that good. Um, I want to thank our exceptional port staff that were hitting the ground during the storm. I want to thank Mike Martin. He was serving as port director during this time. I want to thank Tim Felton, who dealt with a lot of challenges, and your entire team. You were really, really phenomenal in the storm response. So congratulations to all. Uh, for our tenants, the city has uh, put forward some allocation of resources for s small businesses, so we're busy letting our tenants know this is available in case they may be eligible. So we, we showed our spirit with great resolve, resilience, and we demonstrated that we're part of a community that really organizes itself around response, around community and caring for our neighbors. And the atmospheric river response was definitely a reminder of the spirit and we're harnessing the spirit as we go into 2023. As the officers said, we have a big mission to deliver this coming year. So I'm excited to work with you both officers. Congratulations on your elections and to all of the commission. We're excited to get moving. So this year to economic recovery, we will continue to nurture what I consider to be an incredible waterfront resurgence. We have so many people coming to our waterfront now 
we're supporting our tenants to thrive, and we're also implementing waterfront activation strategies that will continue to be, bring people back again and again to this vibrant and beautiful place. One strategy I want to talk about, which has been very successful, is upscaling resident and visitor experience with access to fishing. We have very positive news on the commercial crabbing uh, program. December 31st marked the official opening of Dungeness crab season. And our local fishers have been bringing back fresh, fresh crab to local merchants. Our off-the-boat sales is a wonderful opportunity for this connection. We show that we're doing great in that we have, uh, we have lines and fishers ready to sell. We also have been learning on the ground on the program. We got some feedback from the public and from our commissioners, and we've installed new wayfinding signage, and we're promoting the program very heavily on social media. So we continue to watch and learn and see the strategy bring more and more people to enjoy the wharf. And the wharf has so much to offer, and fishing is really what ties it together. Uh, we continue also to deploy waterfront ad adaptation strategy. I'm sorry, activation strategy strategies throughout this year. I'm excited to see the innovation staff will create for your and the community's consideration around the new leases and the partnerships that we will be working on to welcome diverse communities to the safe, clean, and vibrant waterfront. I'm also very excited that we will be welcoming even more cruise calls this year. <laughs> We're expecting a banner year for cruise, and that is great for our business and great for our economic recovery and great for the city. And our waterfront revival strategies did show impacts to our financial statements this year, this last year. I don't want to get anyone's hopes up too high, uh, but we actually had a profit, uh, profit statement uh, of $15.7 million. Um, last year, we lost $47.9 million. So we are balanced in our operating expenses to revenues. Our capital program has a $1.7 billion problem. So we're not out of the woods, but we are seeing balance in our, in our balance sheet. And that's really, really good news for us. So we're beginning 2023 economically strong, and all signs point to a very promising year ahead. Uh, this staff with our partners has created a safe, equitable, and vibrant waterfront. And people are on this waterfront now and seeing how amazing it is. And we can see them enjoying it. And we do feel the comeback up and down our jurisdiction. We know it's happening economic recovery here on our waterfront and for the city. So I want to thank everyone so much for your leadership this last year to make this happen. And I have all hopes that we will continue to thrive uh, along our waterfront. Now turning to equity. We have exciting things happening in our southern waterfront, Heron's Head Park and Eco Center. We've been partnering with the Rec and Park Department and a Bayview-based community organization contractor called N2 Action to host a variety of events at the Heron's Head and Eco Center, <clears throat> including beekeeping events. We've had several people attend these really great educational opportunities, and we've had outreach to over 500 people. These events are intentionally connecting our Bayview community to our wonderful public land so we can ensure everybody has equal access to our parks and open space, which are such wonderful resources. Happy Year of the Rabbit to everybody. Uh, San Francisco and the waterfront is a rich API history and culture here. We proudly celebrate all the contributions that the API community has made to our incredible city and waterfront. I would like to note that this year the port's tenant Chinese Chamber of Commerce and subtenant Parade Guys are preparing their incredible floats for the Chinese New Year Parade that will happen Saturday, February 4th. 
with the unprecedented rains <clears throat> and potential damage to the floating art pieces, the chamber reached out to us for additional space indoor. I am proud our team, along with our, our attorneys, were able to get them into a space, ensuring the floats will be dry and ready for thousands of people to enjoy. I hope everyone can celebrate this important time with family, friends, and neighbors. Have a safe, healthy, and prosperous new year. Dong hei fat choy. Now to resilience. This will be also a very exciting year for our resilience efforts at the port. We did have a very exciting youth-focused engagement event. It was developed over last year, and it happened this past Friday, January 20th. We co-hosted a field trip for students from Abraham Lincoln High School and the Academy. The day included a morning walking tour of the Embarcadero, followed by an afternoon of specialty-designed activities and workshops to prepare for sea level rise. Organization of the field trip was a collaboration between us, the Unified School District, and the Exploratorium. They represent the port's commitment to engaging with young people who will really carry this challenge into their future. It's very important that they're educated now and getting prepared and ready to rise to the occasion. And we're very grateful that we were able to partner with the San Francisco Unified School District. We think this is a very promising partnership and it's an equitable partnership. In looking ahead to the rest of 2023, major initiatives for the year will be coming to you. We'll be doing an ongoing review of community and stakeholder feedback to the draft waterfront adaptation strategies. This was publicly released in October. We've had 24 engagements and we've connected with 450 community members. Here's what we're learning. Um, at a very high level, we're hearing that flooding around people where they live and work and impacts to community safety is certainly the top priority of our program and related directly to sea level rise concerns. Community members also voiced that strategies that recommended lower intervention or used a lower rate of sea level rise really doesn't sufficiently protect us and we need to be considered considering the higher levels. And this winter's extreme storm events really drives home what's going to be happening to us in the next hundred years. And it underscores the importance of collaborating with city partners who have responsibility for effectively managing the stormwater system, Upland, PUC, and the Department of Public Works. We continue to work with them. We have big work ahead and we know what the work is and these storms are showing us our future. So onward to more um, good strategies and things we can implement. Also, the, the early projects are moving along for us, so we'll be learning more as we work through those six Embarcadero early projects. We also have completed an application for $50 million in FEMA funding through a national competition of one of those early Embarcadero projects, the Downtown Coastal Resilient Project, and hopefully will be successful, we expect to hear <clears throat> in this year, late this year. I'm excited on the upcoming resilience work. We're in a very strong position to continue to be a city leader on this topic. We've done quite a bit of work. We're way out ahead. We're bringing our city partners along. The community is with us. And I'm excited to see what we will, what we will figure out in terms of our line of defense and how to protect our future waterfront. <clears throat> now turning to key projects. We announced a bid for the construction of Roundhouse 2. It's the roof and the window replacement. Bids are due February 8th. It's a really good opportunity for LBE con contractors. We've done a big equity-focused outreach, so I'm saying this because I'm encouraging our partners, our BIPOC-owned businesses, to apply. We anticipate construction will start in May of this year. Write-off policy. Commissioners, consistent with the write-off policy, 
adopted pursuant to resolution 2211. Port staff provided report summarizing one recommended write-off for you. You have 30 days to review uh, before we process. If anyone has a concern, please contact me within 30 days and we'll schedule a commission item on that write-off. So finally, <clears throat> in closing, uh, today is a sad and happy day. Um, we are recognizing our esteemed port commissioner, uh, Senator Burton. This is his last day on commission. He has chosen to step down as commissioner. And we just want to take this opportunity to thank him for everything he's done for the port. <coughs> Senator Burton, you came to the port in a great time of financial distress in the organization. I think the worst we've seen, certainly in decades. We were suffering so badly from the economic uh, recession and the impacts of COVID, and we had spent mo at least half of our savings and really didn't know what we were doing in our future. And you worked so closely with our legislative affairs manager, Boris Delapine, and somehow, almost by miracle, we, we secured an unprecedented $117 million, which really righted our ship at a time we needed it most for our recovery. You've been a wonderful guide to us. You're a fantastic person, and uh, we've learned a lot from you, Senator. Uh, staff that have worked from you have considered it a great honor, as have I, as has the organization. So we'll be ever, for, ever grateful to you. It's not just the Burton Act that set us up, but it's the Burton, Senator Burton Commissioner that we've gotten to enjoy. So thank you for your dedication and support for our organization and the city. I wish you very well in your well-deserved retirement. And that concludes my report. Thank you, Elaine. That was a great report. A lot of great stuff happening here at the port. Um, Mr. President, Madam Ms. President, yes. I switched so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I might, is uh, director said uh, this is my last meeting. Um, my my partner here, Gail can attest to the fact my hearing is not that good, even with this mics. Uh, my reading is totally impossible, and uh, due to strokes and things, and it's impossible to keep up and uh, do the work uh, that is necessary. Uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor uh, with me to serve with uh, Willie Adams of the ILWU. I've been an ILWU fan since I was a little boy. Uh, my father was doctor uh, to a lot of the ILWU people going back many, many years. Uh, Kimberly, uh, I knew her mom and dad, uh, I assume possibly before you were born, Kimberly, but certainly <laughs> shortly thereafter. Uh, Stephen, uh, we don't know each other, we just met, but uh, we have a lot in common in the community, a lot of friends in the community, and uh, I can't say enough about Boris. Um, one of my other weaknesses uh, was when we had to go to Zoom, I didn't know what it was, I didn't know how to do it, and uh, the port generously set me up with Boris and to do when we're doing all the meetings in Zoom, I was able to at least uh, participate. And I, I would like to say to the inland boatmen, 
that uh, I won't be with you on the commission, but I'm sure you'll have the support. But if worse comes to worse and you have to hit the bricks, I'll be with you. Because to me, it's unfair that one company out of all the others that do business on the port, going to Alcatraz, going to other places, and uh, can beat the price by not electing their, allowing their workers to bargain collectively, which uh, says more about the, that ownership uh, than anything else. And uh, I just pledge to be with you as best I can. And uh, if you gotta walk the bricks, I'll walk there with my cane, not every day, but I'll be there, and I'll be there with my check to help in the strike fund. Because I was brought up to believe one thing, in unity there's strength, in the ILW statement, an injury to one is an injury at all, and if they start screwing with the IBU, they'll start screwing with the other companies too to try to beat the price. and. Uh, I'm sad that I won't be here to help you on this thing, but I'm sure that all the commissioners will, and I just wish you the best of luck, and I thank you for uh, bringing the situation to our attention, because a, a lot of people don't. I didn't really know about it till today I had lunch with, uh, with Gunnar Lundberg, and he told me about the problems the IBU was having, so uh, Godspeed to you, and I thank all my colleagues here in I thank the staff of the port, and it really was a, a pleasure and an honor, and I only wish I was like maybe 15 years younger so I could really participate. So again, thank you all very much. Thank you, Senator Burton. We will definitely miss you. Is there any public comment in the room? Um, President Brandon, Vice President Willie Adams, and Commissioners, um, Senator Burton, Commissioner Burton, I just want to say a couple words. Um, you know, we have such a long history, and um, I just wanted to top some of that off. And, you know, it's um, fitting that you serve as a port commissioner, having uh, passed the um, 1968 Burton Act, and um, You've done so much for maritime and so much for marine unions, and not everybody knows that, so let me tell you a little bit about um, Senator Burton, because he was very close with <clears throat> Jimmy Herman and uh, Don Watson and Leroy King and all these people that I kind of grew up with in the ILWU. And so it made it so wonderful when you were in the legislative um, body that we could use your office when we were up in Sacramento was like a family. And I think you've treated us like a family and I hope uh, that you feel the same love from the ILWU that um, you've shown us. Uh, some of the other things you did for us is that after the 1989 oil spill in the Valdez, um, you know, we pushed tirelessly to get an escort regulation so that our bay would be protected with tugs escorting these tankers in. 
Thank you, Senator Burton, for all your help on that. Also, um, in 2000, we passed a legislation for the San Francisco Bay Water Emergency Transportation Authority. And uh, if it hadn't have been for Senator Burt, I was up there <laughs> midnight, 1 a.m., where he holds open the session so that we could get that thing passed, and we did. It took a few times, but because of him, we got that passed. And all these beautiful fairies you see today, thank you, Senator Burton. And, you know, his history, knowledge of history of seafarers and the longshoremen is, you know, as deep as he is old. And it's so amazing to have somebody like you in our world. So I just wanted to say uh, thank you for all you've done, you know, for working people, for the poor, for the labor movement, uh, with passage of health care and making that your priority. Nobody has done the things you have done. And I just want you to know that we love you now, we always will, and thank you for all your public service. And I want to give you this, I'm going to leave it up at, uh, with our port director, but your t-shirt from us with the hook, I don't know if you could see it. I can't accept that till I'm off the commission. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks for your That's right. Thank you so much. That's right. Thank you. Is there any other public comment oh, in the please room? please, no. <laughs> President Brandon, uh, Vice President Adams, Director Forbes. Uh, my name is Dominic Moreno, Assistant Maritime Director uh, with the Port. Uh, I just have a few few words for Commissioner Burton um, to to echo uh, Marina. Thank you for all you've done for Maritime, Commissioner Burton. Um, I have a couple of highlights um, from my experience um, with your role uh, on the Commission. Um, thank you for your role in securing ARPA. Um, funding. Um, this will contribute to uh, maritime industrial facilities along the waterfront and make us a much more uh, competitive um, um, organization um, and will contribute to, to hopefully business successes in the future. But I'd also like to personally thank you for your role in um, and support in the fish retail sales program. Um, this program is has been a success so far, um, contributing to our economic recovery. Um, lines of people um, waiting to buy live fresh crab um, up at the wharf um, and uh, and it, I think lastly um, you're leaving the commission in good hands um, you're leaving the port in good hands um, we've got the helm and um, you know we will continue to do the work to make this waterfront a waterfront for all so thank you so much Commissioner Burton thank, thank you very much yep. Uh, Commissioner Burton uh, and other commissioners I'm Nate Cruz I'm the acting CFO for the organization I wanted to echo and focus a little bit on uh, other statements that have been made about your your very important work to help the port secure stimulus money um, I, I can't overstate what a game changer 117 million dollars is for this organization at this time you know, there wasn't that long ago that Elaine and Katie Petruccioni and I were in front of the controller in the mayor's budget office with dismal budget outlooks and really un uncertain future. 
the availability of stimulus changed everything. We're, we're now able to refill our fund balances, all that money we lost in the prior fiscal year. We filled up our savings account. Critically, through all of this, we avoided layoffs. That, that wasn't a certainty two years ago, but, but we've managed to do that. Uh, you know, the, the pandemic's not over yet. We still need workers to come back. We need tourists to come back to go to the restaurants, fill up those offices, go to the hotels. Uh, but we're going to weather this pandemic because we're in a great financial position to do so. And we're only in that position because of the stimulus funds that you help us secure. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Boris Elpine. I'm the Port's Legislative Affairs Manager. I don't know if it was by design or happenstance, but the mayor's appointment of Senator Burton to the Port Commission could not have come at a better time. As Director Forbes mentioned, it was not an understatement in early 2021 to say that we were facing the most challenging moment in the Port of San Francisco's history. Having been on the front line of the internal discussions and the decisions, Related to the allocation of the American Rescue Plan Act funding, I have no doubt that uh, Senator Burton's calls to legislative leadership in Sacramento sealed the deal for the $117 million in funding we received. Prior to 2021, ports never received direct funding allocations in the state budget. Through the ARPA lobbying effort, we were able to make the case for the roles that ports play in driving the state's economic vitality and recovery. This year, the state budget included $1.2 billion in port infrastructure improvements. That program, funded through CalSTA, was a direct outgrowth of the ARPA state funding advocacy and the work Senator Burton performed to make that happen. Earlier this month, we submitted a $40 million grant application to CalSTA to invest in the Southern Waterfront Maritime Industrial Complex, presenting another generational opportunity to improve our waterfront and create jobs. That's a political legacy that started with the Burton Act in 1968 and continues today and beyond. One of uh, my favorite tactics that I've employed um, when meeting with uncooperative state agency staffers is to say, I appreciate where you're coming from, and I will relay that message back to Commissioner John L. Burton. <laughs> then I pause for effect and patiently wait for them to walk back their, their denial of our funding allocation or, or whatever else they're doing. Just mentioning the senator's name continues to strike fear in the hearts of the most hardened bureaucrats in the Capitol. It's been an approach that I've been able to benefit from and have frankly cherished. For me, uh, personally, working directly with Senator Burton has been a privilege and one of my favorite assignments in 20 years in, in government. I'm, I'm grateful and fortunate to have heard and shared so many past uh, political war stories. I feel like I've earned a master's degree in San Francisco political history over the past two years. <laughs> Senator, thank you uh, for your willingness to serve and your inspiration to always fight for the disenfranchised. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, smooth sailing ahead, and appreciate all you've done for the Port of San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you very much. Better than what's his name, not Hangisto, but who was he as the supervisor? Uh, um, he always wanted, if there was a murder in our state, yeah. <laughs> Ross Berkarini, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Boris. Uh, good afternoon, Commission. My name is Tim Felton. I'm Deputy Director of the Port Maintenance Commission or department. Um, I'm generally a behind the scenes kind of guy, but I wanted to step out and thank Senator Burton for all the support he has given the port, 
particularly with all the funding he has been able to secure. And I just really want, well, first of all, I want to thank him for taking uh, care of Forrest so well for the last couple of years. Uh, Took care of me. It's a tough job. Um, <laughs> um, but I just wanted you to hear the impacts of that funding and what it does for my division and for the port. So we, as um, Nate alluded to, um, we were we were looking at layoffs and my division specifically around fi probably 15 layoffs that we were able to avert with this and probably 30 port wide. Also able to go back and um, after two years of COVID, my my staffing was down about 35%, and so that's people picking up trash, that's truck drivers, you know, delivering things, that's carpenters, uh, you know, and pile workers build, you know, rehabbing our facilities and our piers. So I was able to start to slowly rebuild all those people, and that was directly from that funding. Um, my materials and supply budget was was refreshed. My equipment was refreshed. Two million dollars for equipment that had been cut out of the budget because we were we were cutting off our limbs when when COVID hit, and we're able to really um, bring all that back, restore uh, our maintenance facility, restore services to the really critical services to the port and the public. And it was um, with Forrest and your help, um, get funding, getting that funding for us. And I just wanted to. Uh, a deep measure of gratitude for you, and thank you, and good luck with your future. Thanks. I, I just really have to say, I mean, thank you, but I mean, uh, none of this is a one-person game. In the state legislature and our legislative leaders, they, they're they the ones that did it. They're the ones that did it. And uh, I made sure, and Boris made sure, and the director made sure that those people that carried the water, so to speak, that passed the bills that allowed us to pass on the money. They're, they're the ones that did it. I could call somebody with a phone call and they could say, that's a hell of an idea, see you later. So the team you have here and with uh, the commissioners, uh, leaving myself either part or aside, I mean, they work as a team and they keep it as my dear friend who was Morris Weisberger from the SUP. Just keep it on the slow bill and just keep moving forward. And that's what that's what this commission does. That's what the port does for San Francisco. And I'm just proud to be part of it. So thank you very much. Is there any other public comment in the room? None. Corey will provide instructions now for our remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on the Executive Director's report. Please, Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there is one person on the line. Hang on a second. Oh, I thought you were talking to me when something They might have pressed star three again. I'm gonna give it like 30 seconds. Okay. Star three, if you wish to make public comment. 
Okay. Oh, they're back. All right. I'm going to unmute the line now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, commissioners. My name is Ellen Junk, and I'm here today both personally, a remote on the line, uh, and on behalf of the Maritime Commerce Advisory Committee. I'm co-chair with Marina Secatano, and I was so thrilled to see you, uh, Marina, uh, there uh, today. Um, of course, I am speaking in support of the commendation of you, Senator Burton, and your service to the commission uh, on your retirement. But I have to say that uh, you have been on the marquee of leadership for me in all my many years uh, in the state of California since 1966 in the city and the state for as long as I could remember. Um, I have such wonderful memories of your great work and that of your family on behalf of labor, uh, the environment, and the port, and the maritime mission for the city and, and the state uh, as well for, for so many years. And I just want to thank you. You have been an inspiration for, for years, and I will continue serving the environment and helping the port in, in all their great mission. And I hope to see you back at the Bay Club <laughs> and playing some squash soon. Rabbit thank you ball. again. <laughs> Age of 90. Thank you, thank you. And I believe that is the last of the public comment. Um, there are no other members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment at this time. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is closed. Commissioner Lee? Uh, Senator Burton, <clears throat> it's been a short time. You know, I, uh, when I, when I, found out that I would get to be serving on the board with you. It's, it was, you know, I followed your career and heard about you and, you know, um, Treasurer Fiona Moss, my friend, and she always talks about you and I thought I would learn more, but you're leaving. And I'm, I'm bummed because I'm still learning, you know, in this process, even though I've been a commissioner 10 years, but there's still a lot to learn. And and your stories, which I never knew, you know, uh, you were a bartender at Bimbo's, <laughs> where I started, you know, when Mr. Bimbo was alive. And I hope one day you come to my place and you, you, you serve a few drinks uh, on your retirement. If you can, come to Chinatown and, and, and then we'll all have a, a few drinks and you can make your special Bimbo cocktail. <laughs> so thank you, sir, and uh, good luck on your retirement. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Commissioner Gilman. Um, thank you, Senator Burton. It's been so fun to be your seatmate and to be here with you. I have learned so much. And you brought the tenacity in the fight that I experienced back in 2010 when Senator Burton was a leading force both locally and in Sacramento to cite the first supportive housing ever in District 2, the King Edward the Hotel, for foster youth. Oh, and your fight for foster youth and, for, and for, for those young adults who, by no fault of their own, um, were system involved has, has just always inspired me. And I've enjoyed working with you and the John Burton Foundation throughout my whole career. And it's been a pleasure to serve with you on the Port Commission. And I know I'll be seeing more of you, and I wish you um, lots of fun in your retirement. And thank you so much for everything you've done. Thank you. Vice President Adams. <clears throat> Wow, John, to, to put in words about you, 
I mean, you're a, truly, you're an American icon, an enigma, a leader. Uh, when we first met, you were talking about IOW Local 142 and the late Jack Hall, uh, your relationship with Jimmy Herman, uh, Harry Bridges, Bill Chester. Uh, even though you were a politician, you were always a union man at heart. You were, you were, you were blue collar, uh, straight shooter. And when I really, really think about it, you know, you said 90. You and Mayor Brown are the last of that generation that is still here that have lived life. And it's nothing like having lived that kind of an experience. And your brother, and you remember how things got done. Whether the career of Dianne Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi, you were, you were there before. And so many people like Barbara Boxer who worked for you, who eventually become a U.S. Senator. You paved the way for so many people. Uh, I remember when you were the chair of the California Democratic Party. You, you led. Your brother, Phil Burton. You, you come from a time and an era in America, and even in the city of San Francisco, well, San Francisco used to be a real union town. Yep. Marina said that. This used to be a real, real union town here. And so much has changed. And you remember those times where they cared about the working class in this city. And now it seemed like the city's been taken over by the upper class. You've mentored a lot of people. And I've liked it because you're like me. You're rough around the edges. I, I remember one day you and I were having lunch, and you had told me the story. I won't mention the name. This person called you and told you that they were running for office. You go, I don't care. I ain't voting for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, but that was the kind of person you were. And, and when you were talking about getting out supporting IBU, you're going to have your cane, and you will whack somebody upside the head with that cane. <laughs> I know you if you're out there on the picket line. That's just, that's just John Burton. But I've enjoyed the stories that you've told. And I would hope that there's an oral history on you. Because the late Jimmy Herman didn't do an oral history. And your oral history should be something for all San Francisco, for all people to be able to look at as a benchmark for generations to come to know your story. Because sometimes people pass away we don't know. And I'm hoping that you're working on your uh, oral history. It, it, to me right now, this is a moment of gravity for the things that uh, you have done. And um, just going to different restaurants with you, talking to you, picking your brain, and you would just talk off the top of your head. You didn't need a script. You could just speak because you were speaking from experience. And not everybody can do this. A lot of people need to read a script. You speak from there and what's in there, and you've lived it. And not everybody will live to be the ripe old age of 90 and beyond, and I think you'll be around here a long time. So thank you for all that, that, that you've given us on the Poor Commission the city and county of San Francisco, the state. I just, America, we owe you a debt of gratitude, and you've always been humble. You told me the stories of you and Jimmy Herman just playing cards, having some drinks. You just kept it real. Me, me, and you remember a time in this city when things got done where people worked together and they could have different points of view, and those points of views were respected, and it was okay, but you found a way to get things done because San Francisco always took care of San Francisco. And at the end of the day, common sense would prevail to do what was best for this city. And I want to thank Boris for taking care of you all that time. 
and just love having you on here, man. I really, really appreciate it. And just because you're leaving, let's continue to have lunch. You, well, you got to pay once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I, I think you told Marina you couldn't accept that because of the ethics commission. <laughs> so no comments. But anyway, uh, uh, Senator Burton. I salute you, man. Thank you, brother. And thank you, brother. Appreciate that. that was wonderful. Oh, my God. What's left to say? <laughs> I um, am just so humbled by the opportunity to have served with Commissioner Burton. I heard about him for so many years on all that he's done on a federal, state, local level. He was able, and, and, and he actually wrote the Burton Act. And I was like, oh, my God, I get to serve with him. <laughs> and it has just been such a wonderful experience. The Port Commission has gained so much knowledge, has gained so much. He actually saved the Port of San Francisco again. You know, we, we, we wouldn't have got that $117 million. In my 25 years, nothing like that has ever happened. He has been such a force. <coughs> I love his honesty, I love his frankness, and I love all that he has to say whenever he has to say it. And he only speaks when he wants to, or he needs to, okay? But it's relevant and it means something, so please listen. He, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm grateful to have had this opportunity and we are definitely gonna miss you, Senator Burton. And we're gonna. I'm gonna uh, crown you a commissioner emeritus, so 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 that Boris can still use your name. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you, I gotta tell this story. I don't want. I want to tell this. So, I, I'm sitting in Speaker Jess Unruh's office, and he said, "I've got to go have lunch with Joe Alioto." And the Burtons and the Aliotos at that time weren't getting along too good. I said, what the hell are you having lunch with him for? He says, I don't know. I'll let you know when I come back. He comes back and he says, Alioto wanted to have the state turn the port over to the city. I said, I'll be right back. I went to the ledge council who writes up the bills and said, the state of California shall turn over the port of San Francisco and all of its belongings, blah, 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 uh, to San Francisco. And just had it drafted. That's all it said. <clears throat> but I was determined I'd get the jump rather than having Mayor Eliotto <laughs> like, like he was a dumb me. There was a provision in the act that gave these... Everybody used to have a month-to-month -month lease, you know, so and people could get screwed or if they had juice, keep it forever. And uh, the act, I think, was at 66 or something. Yeah. But anyway, he got the last laugh because all of his cousins and uncles and brothers had long, long <laughs> leases on <of> Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs> and, uh, I got the name, he got he got the money, so it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. And I, I'm sorry. We, no, no. 
I'm sure we've got work to do. <laughs> that is a very good story. Madam President, if you will, we have a couple of gifts. Okay. Um, and we can take a photograph. Okay. Um, and I think Boris can join us uh, because he's a Definitely. special staffer. Um, so we have... Senator, I don't know how much you're going to love these gifts, but we've got a beautiful paperweight of the fairy building. We've got a fairy building book, and we've got some lovely chocolates for you. Aww. So I'll hand those to you. Oh, and of course, you've got the beautiful shirt um, from the IVU, which is very cool. Give the chocolates to Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to take a picture. Well, I'll go down. <laughs> The only guy that I don't remember meeting my wife was Bob Robertson. You know who was the first vice president? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. But you're in great. Okay, Jim, the next item, please. Item 10 is the consent calendar. 10A requests approval of a resolution adopting <coughs> findings under state urgency legislation to allow certain members of this body to attend meetings remotely during the COVID-19 emergency. That's resolution 2301. Item 10B requests for retroactive authorization to modify construction contract number 2795, Heron's Head Park Path and Electrical Improvements to extend the substantial completion date 71 days for a total duration of 269 days. That's resolution 2302. Item 10C requests authorization to execute a grant agreement with the San Francisco Parks Alliance to accept $3,250,000 for proposed Crane Cove Park enhancements. That's Resolution 2303. Commissioners, can I have a motion? I so move. Second. Is there any public comment in the room? If not, Corey will provide instructions now for our remote <clears throat> participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on the consent calendar. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. 
Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. And at this time, there are no members of the public <coughs> on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? The motion passes unanimously. Resolution 2301, 02, and 03 are adopted. Jenica, next item, please. <coughs> Item 11A is the approval of lease number L-17004 with the National Liberty Ship Memorial Incorporated, a California corporation, for the birthing of the SS Jeremiah O'Brien at Pier 35 for a term of 10 years with one five-year option to extend for a term of up to 15 years. That's resolution 2304. Uh, good afternoon, President Brandon, Vice President Adams, Commissioners, congratulations, Senator Burden. Uh, my name is Andre Coleman, Deputy Director of Maritime with the Port. I'm joined by Demetria Morrow with the uh, Maritime Division, as well as Matt Lasher, uh, the Executive Director with the National Liberty Ship and Memorial, as well as staff. Um, so, as you see, it's uh, presentations on a proposed new lease uh, with the National Liberty Ship Memorial, but as a lead into the presentation, just a few comments in, uh, regarding background. Um, so, following the unfortunate events of the Pier 45 Shed Sea Fire in 2020, the, J the Jeremiah O'Brien was temporarily uh, relocated to Pier 35 North Berth. A metro cruise and events, the port's terminal operator at Pier 35, was very accommodating during this temporary relocation, and there were minimal, if any, impacts uh, to both crews and events. Um, given the low frequency of the use of that north berth, um, port staff uh, agreed that it would be a benefit, as the parties work towards a new lease, uh, to negotiate a, a, a lease for uh, relocation of the Jeremiah O'Brien to Pier 35 North. Uh, with the proposed relocation of the Jeremiah O'Brien uh, to Pier 35, that now uh, opens up the Pier 45 uh, berth, uh, which will now be accessible to new and different maritime activities, which the staff is per uh, actively pursuing. Uh, so with that, I'll turn it over to Dimitri, and uh, he will provide uh, more details on the proposed lease terms. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Dimitri Amaro with the Maritime Department here at the Port of San Francisco. And uh, I'm Dimitri, excited. can you please grab that microphone? Sorry. Thank you so much. Is that uh, better there? <laughs> thank you. Uh, so thank you for the opportunity to talk about this uh, proposed contract today. To help frame things for you, I wanted to start off with uh, National Liberty Ship Memorial, who you might better know by the name of their historic vessel, the SS Jeremiah O'Brien, uh, currently does have a contract with the Port of San Francisco at Pier 45, at least 13525. Uh, has been a good lease. The folks have uh, operated well. They are a tenant in good standing. Uh, but unfortunately, that lease expired June 30th, 2021, and has been on month-to-month -month holdover ever since. Additionally, we also, as uh, Andre mentioned, suffered the fire at Pier 45 Shed Sea uh, in May of 2020. At that time period, the Jeremiah O'Brien was uh, evacuated to Pier 35 and temporarily stayed in that location for a number of months. Upon moving back to Pier 45 after the fire, um, conditions at the pier changed and uh, prompted some discussions between the National Liberty Ship Memorial and port staff, which ultimately evolved in the proposed contract here. Uh, the proposed contract specifically targets two of the port strategic objectives, specifically engagement. The National Liberty Ship Memorial is a strong partner with a number of stakeholders, 
uh, here in the community, including uh, the Port of San Francisco itself, but as well Sea Scouts, Sea Cadets, the California Maritime Academy, uh, the International Longshoremen's Union, and other uh, organizations. And specifically, it also targets the port's economic vitality by continuing to uh, keep maritime commerce of an inspected passenger vessel active at the Port of San Francisco. Specifically, this proposal is for Pier 35, and to describe the premises in more detail, I have the map here for you. Specifically, they're looking to lease 732 square feet of paved land that goes from the Embarcadero to the Navy Gate entrance on the north side of Pier 35. <coughs> that then leads into 18,500 square feet of apron space and 48,000 square feet of submerged land to berth their historic vessel. Uh, currently, as uh, Mr. Coleman mentioned, Pier 35 North is used as a tertiary cruise ship terminal, cruise ship terminal. Uh, and based on the forward cruise calendar, uh, we do not believe that that's necessary any further. So what would they propose to do at the Pier 35 location? What does operating a historic vessel entail? Uh, the operations that they would conduct include tours of the historic vessel as well as historical ex exhibits aboard, underway excursions, the vessel is an inspected passenger vessel, cultural and vocational education programs. The uh, Jeremiah O'Brien presents a unique opportunity to learn not just the history of merchant mariners and their sacrifices during wartime, but additionally it uh, provides a number of specific vocational training opportunities. Their engine room is unique uh, among modern vessels. You don't learn the same type of equipment these days, uh, but that equipment still exists out in the modern world and still needs folks to learn how to train on it. Uh, additionally, they honor our, uh, our veterans and other folks in the services by their memorial services and conduct memorabilia and special event sales on site. In terms of rent, currently their lease at Pier 45 pays $2,351 per month and all revenue categories pay 6% of their gross sales to the Port of San Francisco. Under the terms of the proposed contract here, the base rent would raise to $3,661 a month, increasing by 5% every five years. This syncs well with the budget calendar for the National Liberty Ship Memorial and allows them to anticipate those increases. Additionally, participation rent will increase to 7.5% for ticket-related events and 10% for film and other retail uses. The lease itself would be a 10-year lease with a proposed one five-year option. In that lease, the National Liberty Ship Memorial would be responsible for all of the maintenance and utilities within the premises and also be required to demonstrate the seaworthiness of the vessel on a routine basis. As an inspected passenger vessel that's going to carry passengers, they need to be able to demonstrate that it's safe to do so. And historically, historic vessels uh, have potentially had issues with their seaworthiness over time. So we included this provision to make sure that the National Liberty Ship Memorial can maintain that with their vessel. Dredging, uh, specifically the location does not require dredging for the vessel to fit. If it did, that would be a tenant responsibility. Capital investment. In terms of capital investment, the National Liberty Ship Memorial has committed to make $50,000 worth of improvements at the location, and it's a requirement to exercise their extension option at the end of the 10-year term. The tenant improvements that they've committed to making include repair and refresh of the Navy gate at the entrance of the Pier 35 North, 800 feet of, of safety railing along the, the Pier 35 North apron to help facilitate the public access, and inst installation of security lighting along the pier to help improve that as well. Beyond the financial terms of the contract here, another thing I want to make sure I really point out about the National Liberty Ship Memorial uh, are the community benefits that they bring to the port in the community. Uh, I already touched a little bit on being a living museum for members of the Merchant Marine of World War II and, and later on and being a uh, registered historic landmark. You might have seen in some of the pictures that we've gone through here a number of the cadet organizations and other folks that they've brought on board to work with their folks and create a real multi-generational operation. Those educational programs and those memorial services to honor each of those intergenerational people is a key part of building the community it takes to keep a historic vessel like this alive. Um, when I first met the folks at the National Liberty Ship Memorial, it was 
folks much older than I am, uh, which comes along with being a historic vessel. Uh, but as time has gone on, one of the things that they've really done is build that next generation of folks to keep the vessel going, keep the story alive, uh, and you do that through these education and cultural benefit programs. So, as you can see from the picture here, all of them and I would like to invite you to uh, review and approve the attached resolution. But let me first invite their executive director, Matt Latcher, to speak a few words. Okay, is this good? Okay, um, I'd like to thank the commission, uh, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, uh, Director Forbes. Um, particularly, I'd like to, I'd like to thank um, the Maritime, Maritime Division of the Port. They, they have been really instrumental in, in, in keeping us going. Um, as everybody knows, the pandemic ravaged the uh, tourism industry in, in the Fisherman's Wharf. And we've, we've been, like everybody else, recovering from that. Additionally, the fire put us in a position where we had to move. Uh, the Maritime Division with uh, Andre's leadership, Dominic, Dimitri, and all the people that work over there really helped us uh, adjust to those new normals and get us to 35 and then back to 45. And that's sort of where the catalyst from this opportunity comes. Before I go any further, though, I'd like to talk a little bit about our organization, but I'd like to introduce our leadership team that's here today uh, with me. First is our chairman, uh, Forrest Booth. Uh, Rex Clack is our general counsel. And uh, Savan Lasur is our master. He's Captain Savan Lasur, and he's the, uh, the chief mariner on, in our organization. Um, the National Liberty Ship Memorial was founded in 1978 and is a 501c3 non nonprofit. Um, our revenue streams generally go to supporting a very small staff, and the money goes back into preservation efforts for the, the legacy vessel. So our ability to generate revenue through a, a various activities like cruises, dockside, gangway, we call it gangway, but it's visitors from the public, the, the tourism there, and uh, contributions from the public keep the, the ship operational and allow us to... to give the public what we call a living experience. So everything on the SS Jeremiah O'Brien is functional. Uh, there, there's, it's, it's, it's maintained in a way that's in regulation with the U.S. Coast Guard and also uh, is in a class with the American Bureau of Shipping. And so what we're giving people is an opportunity to connect with uh, mariners of old, skills, tools, <coughs> that allow them to develop and connect with the maritime trades, which we think is a very important part of our mission. Um, so we, we, as an organization, we, we managed to emerge successfully from, uh, from, Pier 4, from the Pier 45 fire, the pandemic, and now we're open to the public again five days a week, and we're, open, we're looking to open up seven days a week once we make the move over to uh, Pier 35. Uh, we, we boast about 50,000 tourism tourists a year uh, with, with a ship, and we're hoping the relocation at Pier 35 is going to help us draw more people. It's going to be a good opportunity for us um, to kind of increase our our ability to maintain the vessel as time goes on. Things get more expensive. Um, so what is the SS Jeremiah O'Brien? It's a World War II Liberty ship. Uh, it's made three transatlantic voyages, 11 trips from England to Normandy during D-Day, and it's the last operational ship that runs that was at the at part of the Armada that serviced D-Day during the war. So it's a very historic vessel. It's an important part of, of World War II legacy, and it's a a symbolic part of the maritime community that served during the war and, and, and really the, the generation that serves now in the maritime community here in San Francisco in the greater Bay Area. Um, as Dimitri alluded to, we have some community programs that really help um, uh, support the, the, uh, the San Francisco and Bay Area community. One thing is, is we, we do serve as a conduit for uh, um, folks to get familiar with the maritime trades. The nature of us being a legacy vessel, we attract a lot of older, more experienced 
uh, mariners, a lot of them coming off 30, 40 years career working in the trades, and they come out and help us, and they interact with the youth. And that develops an awareness of that as a career option, which is really hard to find these days in, in education. So uh, we offer that. We also offer a real living museum experience that folks from around, the, around the Northern California can experience when they come to the ship. Um, and you know, we support particularly local responders. After the fire, it's become even more important to us is to make sure that they have free access to the ship so they can train and become part and, and familiarize themselves with how to deal with shipboard incidents. So we have the fire, the police, U.S. Coast Guard, all, all the entities in the area here come out and support us. And then we support them by giving them access to the ship. Um, and we, of course, as Dimitri said, we partner with maritime educational assets across the, the, the country, including maritime academies and high schools that are interested in exposing their students to the maritime trades and, and the history of World War II Liberty ships uh, and, and such. So I want to thank the commission for your time today. Um, that's pretty much the remarks that I had if you had any questions. Thank you. Thanks. So that, if there's any questions, please let us know. Okay, thank you. Is there... Yes. I make a motion. So moved. Second. Is there any public comment in the room? Corey will give us instructions for our remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on item 11A. Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment. At this time, it does not appear that there are any members of the public on the phone who wish to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is now closed. Commissioner Burton? Commissioner Gilman? Um, Dimitri, Andre, thank you so much. Um, I think this is hugely important for our waterfront to remind our visitors. Uh, particularly close to Pier 39, which is, is a little more choice-oriented, how maritime is at the heart and soul of what we do and heart and soul of the Burton Act. So I am absolutely supportive of this item. Thank you. Commissioner Lee. I think it's great <clears throat> moving it closer to Pier 39. Um, you know, as a kid, I used to see these ships uh, in Martinez Bay being dismantled. And to really see one ship to be actually working I mean, uh, I mean, I I own a bunch of old cars, you know, and just getting them working is quite a challenge. And and I was looking at the staff here, and I'm just applaud you guys for keeping this thing going. And I remember coming here <clears throat> as a kid and got the tour of the Bal Balcutha as a little kid, right? Is that the name? And uh, and just to go and and have see all the kids and children see the the World War II ship SS uh, Jeremy O'Brien is great. So yeah, I'm totally uh, supportive of this new lease. Thank you. Vice President Adams. <clears throat> Dominic, I have to say to you, I, I like your salt presentation, the way you, you, know, you present, and Andre and, and Dimitri. And I, and I can just tell under Andre's leadership, everybody on the team has something to say, right? 
and I can see that confidence. I always believe that confidence is quiet, it's not loud, and I really appreciate that. And I am a big fan of these ships. Uh, <clears throat> I met with the president last year on the Iowa down in uh, Long Beach, President Biden. And the history and just walking on these ships and understanding even going all the way back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt is something about the ghosts, the history of these ships. I mean, it's a nostalgia about, uh, about them. And to have it here where we're going to have it and to share this with our community. And uh, the younger generation needs to know about these things. They need to, ex to experience that. This is a relic from the past, and we have to preserve them. Otherwise, they'll just fade into uh, memory. So you definitely uh, have my support, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting down there. And in any way, I think the port that can promote this, it's uh, sometimes you have a treasure in your own backyard and you don't even know it's there. And we, and we have to let the city and community know that we, we treasure this. So you have my support. Thank you. Uh, Dimitri and Andre, thank you so much for the presentation. I'm very support supportive of of this item. Um, I just can you just tell me a little more about the move? Why we're moving from 45 to 35, which I support if sure. if um, necessary. But also, I wanted to know: Have we done an analysis of our cruise calls and our 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 um, charge to bring in more cruise calls and if this you you feel this pier will ever be needed in the next 10 plus years got it thank you for the question president brandon um, so a couple things as far as the move and the relocation so um, you know one of the obvious ones for, for us that we observed and as well as i believe um, matt mentioned this as well but uh, with the relocation of pier 35 north um, the proximity to the embarcadero is very favorable for visibility for both foot traffic um, and anyone on the muni line or, or vehicle as well so uh, we anticipate an increase in in foot traffic given the proximity to the embarcadero uh, as far as impacts to crews we uh, probably what since 2019 uh, we've probably only had maybe one to two cruise vessels berth on the north berth for a couple reasons. Because of the low frequency of use, uh, we no longer prioritize dredging there. But because of the increase in the size of vessels, uh, that the north berth is a shorter berth. Uh, so we prioritize the south berth, Pier 27, and then strategically uh, brought 3032 back online this past uh, this past year in 2022. Uh, so as Dimitri noted, and he works very closely with managing our crew schedule, um, we don't see an issue being that we brought 3032 back online. Uh, that is our third berth, uh, essentially. So uh, we, we feel we're, we're good to go there. And then as I mentioned in my opening uh, comments, with the relocation, it does present some new opportunities uh, for maritime activity at the Pier 45 berth uh, that will now be uh, made available. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, we have. If I may, I just wanted to add one comment to what you said, um, Deputy Director. I um, appreciate that the 35, we're not dredging that north berth any longer at that cost we once had. When I was in Nate's chair, it was $750,000 a year to dredge that berth, and 3032 is self-scouring. Uh, so in addition to all the strategic issues you'd mentioned, I just wanted to point out that budgetary issue as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we have a motion and a second. <coughs> 
<coughs> Excuse me, second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any Aye. opposed? Resolution 2005, no, 2304 has passed. Thank you. Jenica, next item, please. Item 12A, requests for approval and appropriation of the second bond issuance of seawall bonds in the amount of $42 million of Proposition A bonds to support early projects, adaptation strategies, and San Francisco Waterfront Coastal Flood Study General Investigation. That's resolution 2305. Um, congratulations, President Brandon, Vice President Adams, on your election as um, chair and vice chair. Um, it really is a, an honor to be part of a bit of history, uh, Commissioner Burton. I just want to add my name to the thanks amongst port staff for everything that you've done for the port. Um, we're here tonight um, to, to share an action item, a proposed sale um, of bonds to support the seawall program. Um, uh, we presented an informational item in, in December um, and uh, looking forward to the Commission's consideration of this item tonight so that the Board of Supervisors can, can consider this uh, later this month. Next slide, please. Oh, okay, I've got slide control, sorry. Um, so I'm here with Nate Cruz, our Deputy Director of Finance and Administration. We'll be sharing this presentation together. I'm just gonna give a brief program overview and talk a little bit about early projects, which is the primary thing that we're funding with this bond sale. And then I'll hand off the presentation to Nate to cover program funding and the first and second bond issuance. This slide is an overview of Can the you hold on for a minute? Can yes. we close that door, please, so we don't get that outside noise? Thank you. Brad, we want to make sure everybody can hear your presentation. Thank you. This slide provides an overview of the activities in the Waterfront Resilience Program. Uh, some of the activities are port-wide, like the Army Corps of Engineers Flood Study. Um, uh, and as Director Ford mentioned, uh, we're headed towards a, a identifying a preferred plan for the flood study this year. Um, other activities are focused in specific areas of the waterfront. Um, we're going to be talking about the Embarcadero early projects that will be bond funded. Um, it's our hope this year that with development of that preferred plan, that we really tie together all of these activities in a coherent overall program that the commission and the public and our other policymakers can really get their arms around. Um, so in December of 2021, through our planning efforts, we identified 23 Embarcadero early projects. Uh, an overall cost range of these projects from $650 million to up to $3 billion, so well beyond our available sources. Um, we made a recommendation uh, at that time to advance 11 projects to pre-design using Proposition A funding and to explore a geographic strategy for five additional projects between Piers 19 through 41. Uh, that the program team uh, has advanced six of the, the early projects through the first step of pre-design, which I'll talk about. These include the Wharf J9 project in Fisherman's Wharf, 
Pier 15, bulkhead wall and wharf earthquake safety retrofit and uh, a similar project at Pier 9. Uh, ferry building, seawall and substructure earthquake reliability project. Uh, a project we're now calling the Downtown Coastal Resilience Project. It's a really a flood project between Pier 5 and 22 and a half. And uh, a retrofit project between Pier 24 and 28 and a half. Um, we identified the projects through this initial planning phase shown on this slide. We've completed what's called needs assessment, which is really defining the purpose and need of each of these projects uh, and working with the port divisions to scope the projects. Uh, and we're entering alternatives analysis on our way to conceptual engineering. Uh, for these projects, after which we'd enter detailed design, environmental review, construction, and project closeout. And now I'd like to hand it off to Nate Cruz to go over the funding and the bond issuance. Evening, Commissioners. Nate Cruz. I'm the Acting Deputy Director of Finance Administration. I'm here today to present uh, some funding information on this second issuance of waterfront resilience bonds uh, to ultimately request your approval to issue those bonds as well as appropriate uh, the, the proceeds of those bonds. So just to start with an overview of the funding to date, this table uh, is also in the staff report, kind of summarizes where we are so far with the appropriations that you have approved. So far, you've approved $64.5 million over, uh, since fiscal year 1617. We're asking for another $42 million of bond proceeds today to bring the total up to 106.5. Uh, obviously, the lion's share of prior appropriations comes from GO bonds, but I think it's important to pause and look back early in that timeline and see where the funding came back came from in the beginning, right? That the seed money for this project really came from, from port capital as well as our city partners. Uh, and without that money, we would not have been able to lay the foundation for where we are today. You're going to continue to see ongoing support from the port with our own capital funds. The eligibility rules around GEO bonds are pretty, pretty strict, and there's going to be ongoing expenses that we need to front, and so you'll continue to see port capital as a, as a critical tool to, to fund the Waterfront Resilience Program. The other thing that's not in this table because we didn't um, we have not appropriated yet, is in the very bottom I made a note that we've got $58.7 million of submitted grant applications. Uh, and I think it's important to, to remind everyone that we are seeking funds aggressively from all possible sources, not just the city. This is a regional and, and, and even statewide project that's important for, for all players. And so we, we welcome the opportunity for everyone to help contribute. So the prior slide was the sources of funds. This slide focuses on overall expenditures, the way we've been using them, uh, and breaks it down uh, into the projected budget as well as the actuals to date. As you might imagine, with any project of this scale and scope, uh, where we are in this timeline, most expenses have been in the sort of early planning uh, phase, and you'll consider, I'm sorry, you'll continue to see that. In, in our plans for the second bond issuance. But yeah, so, so far 35.5 million uh, out of 51.7 total spend was in planning. 
Okay, so we'll break this down by bond issuance. In the first bond issuance, um, we have spent $39.5 million of the almost $50 million that was originally appropriated. Uh, like we just mentioned, the lion's share of that's in planning. In the second, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a couple of big changes have happened, obviously since, obviously, since we issued the first set of bonds. Big one was an amendment to increase our contract with CH2M Arcadis from roughly 40 million to 60 million. That really uh, reflected the change in scope and scale of the project itself. Uh, the second change I just want to remind everyone is the amendment to increase the flood study amount and duration. Uh, a significant change was really key to help to keeping the Army Corps of Engineers in this partnership. Ultimately, this study is the key to unlocking federal dollars to helping us fund the big adaptation strategy that locally preferred option. Uh, and so that amendment to the flood study was critical, and I want to remind everyone of that. On the second bond issuance, uh, we've laid out the uh, planned expenditures by year. Uh, what you'll see in this table, what wasn't in the prior tables, is exciting, is some actual early projects, right? We're now we're at a, a point where those Embarcadero early projects that Brad just mentioned, uh, we have some specificity on them. We're going to use these bond proceeds to bring them through detailed design. Uh, and we'll, we're going to come back with another bond issuance, a third issuance in the future, to actually go into construction. And I've, I've been looking forward to getting into construction for some time. I'm sure you all have too. So we're, we're making real progress. And this second bond issuance will help us get there. They're all, excuse me, they're all, uh, all GO, no revenue bonds. Correct. So the schedule, where we are today, uh, we're requesting uh, your approval for the issuance of $42 million in seawall bonds and to appropriate the proceeds of the bonds. Uh, from here, we go to the Board of Supervisors to get uh, their approval of the, of the issuance and the, and the appropriation of funds. And finally, we're anticipating an issuance sometime in March of 2003. Not on this timeline is that third issuance, which we're anticipating sometime in 2024. We did consider combining those issuances uh, and including some construction costs now, but it's still pretty early in the, in, in the design process. We, they, we don't have as much certainty on what the, what the cost would be. That was one reason we, we separated. The other reason is the, the interest rate market is, is not great at the moment, frankly. Inflation, and, and now there's new risks around what might happen around the debt ceiling at the federal level. And so minimizing this issuance now and coming back later, we think is a more efficient approach uh, to use the precious sort of geo bond capacity that the city has. Uh, and that's the presentation. I'm happy to take any questions that you have. Thank you, Nate and Brent, for your presentation. Is there any public comment in the room? I think I only see staff in the room. Um, Okay, Corey will now give us instructions for our remote participants. <coughs> Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on item 12A. Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment.
And at this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you so much, Corey. Public comment is closed. Can I please have a motion to approve and appropriate the second bond issuance? I so we go. Yeah, I so move. Second. Okay, um, Commissioner Gilman. Um, Thank you for this report. I just had one question, and maybe I missed it in the staff report because I'm, I'm excited by this, is moving um, forward the early projects and pre-design. So the projects we're talking about here, especially the 6.8, um, the nine projects, um, those are the ones that we reviewed previously that are, they are geographically spread out throughout the Embarcadero between the northern waterfront and the southern waterfront. or. Were, were those those nine projects that we, we heard earlier or the end of last year that were sort of ready to go? I believe so, but I'm going to ask my colleague Brad Benson to specify the geographic distribution of the projects is not mine. All, all of those nine are among the 23 and primarily in the 11. There's one, one project uh, in and around Pier 35. Uh, that we may want to accelerate because another department is willing to spend money at the same time. But yes, they are geographically dispersed across the northern waterfront. Okay, I'm visualizing the map in my mind with all the little dots. Okay. Yes. Um, so that was my only question was around use of funds, not around issuance of the bonds. So I, I have no other questions. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Lee. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> no real questions other than um, yeah, you're right. Interest rates are going to go, and, uh, you know, money that's out there now, it's costing you more. So I just, yeah, hurry up and get this money and start working, because <laughs> the more you save now, the more you'll have later. So I'm, uh, I don't have any questions. It looks like you're saving some money already on some of these parts, so it's great. Good job. Thank you. Uh, Vice President Adams. Brad, Nate, good uh, presentation. Nate, Brad, good catch. And you guys are right. There's going to be a fight with that new Congress and the president on that debt ceiling. You better believe it. That's going to be a doozy back there, <laughs> whether we like it or not. And they're crazy. So <laughs> thank you for catching that, right? I mean, seriously, yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Again, Brad and Nate, thank you so much for the presentation. Brad, I really want to congratulate you and your team for how you've brought us throughout this project because I know it's a huge undertaking and I know we still have a long way to go but we are uh, light years ahead of other city departments in in our um, analysis and our planning in our direction so I really want to thank you and your team for bringing us to the point that we are today and Nate I, you, I, I totally approve this item and, you know, the more funds we can find to make this happen, I, I will su always support. So with that, we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Resolution. 2305 <laughs> has been approved. Thank you. Thank you. Jenica, next item, please. Item 13A is an informational presentation on the proposed final revisions to the draft waterfront plan and interagency coordination with the San Francisco Planning Department 
and San Francisco Bay Planning and Development Commission on planning amendments to align policies for the San Francisco waterfront. Happy New Year. Congratulations, President Brandon, Vice President Adams, and even though he stepped away, um, what a momentous day for Senator Burton. Um, we owe him a debt of respect. Uh, I'm Diane Oshima. I am working on special projects for the Planning and Environment Division, um, and this is a presentation on revisions to the waterfront plan and actually a proposed final waterfront plan that I'll walk you through. Um, back in September, I did a presentation for the Commission on proposed revisions to the plan. Uh, a lot of those revisions were technical editing and information catch-ups, but we also had content that came from public comments. And we shared those uh, amendments back in September, opened it up for public comment, got some additional comments, which I'm going to report today. And then um, in this presentation, I'd like to also share with you some interagency work that we are doing with the planning department and with BCDC because it's great to have a final waterfront plan, but if we actually want to be able to implement improvements along the waterfront over time, it's really important for us to be aligned with our agency partners to make sure that the policies are aligned. So I'll give you a, a bit of an overview on some of that, which will be further detailed in future presentations as well. Um, so in terms of new waterfront plan revisions, um, the staff report in this presentation will really focus primarily on those that are added to the revisions that I presented to you back in September. And we received comments from the Dolphin and South End uh, Swim and Row Clubs up in the Aquatic Park area, uh, San Francisco MTA, uh, BCDC staff as well, and uh, Alice Rogers, who uh, was on the Waterfront Plan Working Group that produced the plan, is a very important uh, representative of the South Beach Rincon community. Um, the staff report has more details, and I'm happy to answer questions, but I'll provide sort of an overview summary now. Uh, as you can see in the staff report, the um, revisions, many of them are very fine-grained, so I won't go through each and every one of them. But um, I, in terms of categorizing the uh, revisions, uh, this first group is as relates to maritime and water-dependent uses. Um, you may recall that we had um, some members from the swim clubs come to the Port Commission back in September expressing concerns that open water swimming and water recreational activities associated with the club were not really well covered in the plan. We made some revisions back in September, but then we engaged in a number of meetings with the club members uh, between now and then, and that has resulted in the revisions that are in your staff report today. So it really was a, a very good engagement because uh, the revisions that we're now proposing, I think, have really improved the quality of the plan to make it much more clear and explicit that swimming is another sort of water recreation activity along with kayaking and human-powered vessels that are welcome along the entire port waterfront. 
Uh, we have made revisions in the policies and in the information and the goals and policies to make that clear. We've also gone into the plan glossary uh, terms to make some refinements so that we had some ambiguities and some things that were not really perfectly consistent about the definitional um, specifics of swimming as part of the water recreation activities that are uh, welcome along the waterfront. So we've made those revisions as well. And then um, we've also updated maps, added more details about where swimming and water recreation activities are welcome along the waterfront. We'll be adding a, a few more photos. This image here actually was provided by um, Fran Hegler from South End Club, um, so that will be um, providing more imagery as well. And um, we also um, wanted to make sure that we were clear about the compatibility and um, the awareness across all of our maritime partners and our water recreation community about their shared use of the bay and ways in which that can be conducted safely and with awareness. And so with the, some of the revisions are really pointed at that. We also received some comments from the BCDC staff on a section of the plan that speaks to um, some guidelines that we have about where maritime birthing and public access can be provided together in a compatible way versus some maritime areas and birthing that are not compatible with public access. We have some guidelines to try and differentiate that and BCDC was very helpful in providing uh, review of that and some refinements which we're proposing to incorporate into the plan too. Uh, clearly, that is an issue that both of our agencies um, pay a lot of attention to. We also received um, a number of fine-tuning comments from SFMTA. Um, they were involved with us in the planning process with the Waterfront Plan Working Group to develop the transportation policies, but, you know, Three years later, through the pandemic, they've taken another look, and there were some information updates um, that we all agreed needed to be made. But also, just to clarify and confirm the aid and the, how our departments are working together, um, the Waterfront Plan recognizes that the port, even though we host a whole um, suite of public transportation systems, we don't actually control them, but it's really important for us to work with our partners so that they can meet their mission and we can meet it too in a way that works for all of the stakeholders along the waterfront. Um, and so the, some of the clarifications and revisions are to affirm that. Um, there were revisions related to um, making sure that there's clarity about the need for port maritime and industrial business to have goods movement and loading facilities, something that sometimes gets overlooked in transportation planning in the city, but not to a point where it is disrupting the roadway and traffic flow duties that MTA has. So we have some clarifications related to that in our staff report. Um, 
We have also updated um, terms and information. Some has, have got out of date a little bit, um, but the overall objective of trying to promote low carbon versus alternative, we called it alternative modes of transportation. Now the new term is low carbon, um, so that we're, as a city department, in sync with the transportation terminology and objectives well, for uh, minimizing greenhouse gases and, and uh, reducing climate change. Um, and we've also um, um, made some revisions to one of the policies, Policy 21, uh, as relates to uh, pedestrian and bikeway connections between the Embarcadero and the Blue Greenway. Uh, that policy had uh, initially been proposed as work towards creating that connection, but now we actually have created that connection. So we wanted to update that and to say, not only have we created the connection, we want to maintain and improve it over time. Um, so I think that together with the fact that, um, you know, I know this Port Commission has spent a lot of time and energy working on the Embarcadero Enhancement Project. And I think that's a really good example of how the port's needs and operational interests and MTA's transportation mission, sometimes they don't always fit perfectly together, but the work that you've done to bring it in line is reflective of what the plan is really trying to promote. And we do have language in the plan that recognizes that the Port Commission and the staff are dedicated to um, promoting those kinds of interagency transportation improvements. Madam President. One second. Just one second. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tom. Okay. Um, so those, that's kind of the broad overview of uh, the revisions in the plan. So the revisions in the staff report plus the ones that from September are the proposed final waterfront plan that um, we'll be bringing to you shortly, hopefully. Um, uh, in the meantime, we have been working with uh, the planning department and Matt Snyder, I believe, is on the line in case you have any uh, questions. But uh, the city's plans and policies as affects the waterfront are in the San Francisco general plan, which has certain chapters that pertain to port properties. And so uh, we've worked with the planning department to propose amendments to the Northeastern Waterfront Area Plan, the Central Waterfront Area Plan, and the Recreation and Open Space Element, three different chapters of the general plan, to align the updated waterfront plan policies with the city so that we've got unity there. And then we also are proposing changes to the San Francisco Planning Code to create a waterfront design review process for the port's southern properties south of China Basin. Right now that design review process does exist in special use districts from Fisherman's Wharf down to China Basin, but it wasn't established when the waterfront plan was first adopted back in 1997 to do design review down in the southern waterfront. This time, we want that design review process to apply equally across all port properties. And so that special use district is proposed uh, for those properties. In the process of uh, doing the work to um, 
legislate, pre prepare legislation for that special use district for design review, we found that there was a little anomaly here for Assessor's Block 3940 in that the zoning, it used to be zoned for light industry, an M1 zoning, um, but somehow it got flipped into a different zoning category that's really not compatible with the uses that have long been there on site. This is down at the southern end of the Mission Bay area. It includes the Mission Rock restaurant, the ramp, San Francisco boat docks, the Nice building to the south. Um, it had been accidentally, um, we worked with the planning department. There's no record to indicate that there was intention to formally rezone these properties to public uh, zoning, which would make these uses out of alignment with the zoning. So we have asked uh, the planning department to reinstate M1 light industry zoning, which then provides the, um, you know, the, the zoning controls that are consistent with what we're proposing in the waterfront plan, as well as what are the uses there on the ground now. This, by the way, is not something that's uh, a water, uh, an updated waterfront plan action item. It really, even if we didn't have the waterfront plan updated now, we would want this zoning change. So that's kind of the suite of what we're doing with the planning department. With BCDC, um, I, we will be providing more detail um, in, in proposed amendments um, in the future, but in this staff report, we thought that it would be helpful to at least provide some context about how the BCDC San Francisco Waterfront Special Area Plan is currently set up as um, a backdrop for the changes that we will be seeking in our work with the BCDC. We have a MOU with them on staff work. Um, this image here shows the San Francisco waterfront in the Fisherman's Wharf, Northeast Waterfront, and Southern Waterfront um, zones. And um, basically, President Brandon will remember this. She's the only one who will remember this. When the waterfront plan was first approved back in 1997, we did go through at that time an amendment process with BCDC to amend their plan. And the amendments at that time, which were approved in 2000, affected only that northeast waterfront segment. Um, and in that area, uh, one of the key changes that we were uh, able to make with BCDC was to change the use policy uh, from what used to be a peer-by-peer -peer assignment of uh, act allowed uses to um, and, and let, me, let me refrain. In that northeast waterfront zone, the special area plan BCDC rules at that time assigned uses to each pier and also had a policy called the 50% rule. Uh, the 50% rule or replacement fill policy, it basically made any waterfront development projects um, limit their footprint to one half of the given pier, and the other half needed to be uh, dedicated to public access or be removed uh, to remove bay fill. But it, uh, it didn't allow for 
feasible, financially feasible development projects to readily advance because it limited the uses of development to water-oriented uses. They, you could do uh, retail, restaurants, but those, uh, that suite of uses was not sufficient to allow for financing of seismic retrofit and substantial repairs to piers. And so those policies really were not effective at enabling this port to improve any of the piers. The only peer development that was able to advance under those old rules was Pier 39. Um, but we don't have, you know, we, there, the waterfront plan really is seeking a broader suite of uses along the waterfront than just visitor retail and restaurants. And so back in 2000, we changed those use rules to allow for uses that are consistent with the public trust doctrine and the Burton Act. And that change in the use policy allowed more different uses to be considered in development projects and allowed for more flexibility on how to incorporate public access, historic preservation, and other public benefits than the prior rules did. And from that, we have seen in the last 20 years here we are in the ferry building. Um, we've got the Exploratorium. We have the James Herman Cruise Terminal at Pier 27. Successful projects that have been able to uh, be implemented under these new rules. So uh, at the staff level, we are seeking to have those same use rules applied to the Fisherman's Wharf area and the southern waterfront area shown in this image so that we have the same use rules across the port's waterfront. Um, the other aspect that's reflected in this image is these divisions of Fisherman's Wharf, Northeast Waterfront, and the Southern Waterfront are called geographic vicinities in BCDC's policies and effectively it create, it segregates these three zones so that it's more difficult to provide for a comprehensive approach to making improvements along the waterfront. Um, we would like to eliminate these geographic vicinities. Um, I think the resilience work that uh, Nate and Brad were just presenting to you previously demonstrate the importance of taking a comprehensive approach to uh, the waterfront to allow for resilience and adaptation improvements to be made along port's entire waterfront based on the comprehensive studies that are underway now and to also um, allow for an equitable distribution of public benefits to stretch across the entire seven and a half mile waterfront, not be limited to these three zones which uh, currently the special area plan policies impose. So um, it's kind of a lot to get your head around at this point. There will be more details coming up. We are working with BCDC staff and we will return to you with more details about draft documents for the public to review and the commission 
and the schedule. But we uh, <coughs> expect to complete the amendments for the BCDC documents uh, this year in 2023. And uh, with the planning department, we hope to finish those up uh, this spring. In terms of next steps, um, the waterfront plan final EIR is on just short of the finish line. Uh, they, it goes to the Planning Commission for certification on February 2nd. And that, it, that certification of the EIR, it has to happen before you as the commission can formally adopt the final waterfront plan. So uh, we are planning on certainly seeing the Planning Commission certify the EIR on the 2nd and then plan to return to you on February 14th for an action item to approve the final waterfront plan. Uh, we will continue working on these interagency amendments that I just described. And um, we look forward to um, any comments and questions that you may have. Um, so thank you very much. And um, Senator Burton, can I just? Uh there was a phrase that got me early before I screwed up my thing. Okay. What, what was it? What was it? Zero carbon, less carbon? Low carbon. What does that mean? More bicycles? Or does that, that only apply to vehicles? It's, well, it could be <coughs> bicycles. It could be electric cars. It's basically our transport, in our trans city transportation objectives to reduce emissions and smog and things that can contribute to climate change. So you could walk, you could ride a bike, you could... Well, you, you could ride you a could, bike now, right? So yes. Bi and bikes as much as I abhor many of them because you almost run me over. <laughs> uh, but the objective they're is... There's zero emissions unless the driver smokes, right? True, if you're in an electric car. So low carbon is not intended to target a specific type of traveler. It's really targeted to uh, encouraging people to use transportation that doesn't create greenhouse gases and carbon well, in, emissions. In, so you could be on, so, you could so be on a the, bus or a public the, transit. So, excuse me. So the definition is use transportation that discourages or reduces carb. So that's like we're back. We're back to bicycles, which I, is already cool. This would be what favors electric uh, cars, or again, yes, it favors electric cars taking light rail transit, which is also electric, um, walking, anything that we can do as travelers to reduce or eliminate uh, creating greenhouse gas emissions. So it's not only bicyclists, it's uh, many modes of travel that just don't generate the, smog. The other thing, it appears it's a way to allow more development that is not open space or as i remember actually the act was like it had to be almost maritime activity or public activity uh 
in this language would seem to be, I don't know what, a little bit different, like what, either housing or big office buildings or what? Well, the public trust doctrine and the Burton Act certainly promote navigation and maritime open space, environmental restoration. But there's also a provision for activities that attract the public to come and enjoy the waterfront. And it's in that criterion that we've been able to have the ferry building or the exploratorium, you know, well, the yeah, development, the, the ballpark. The building, ferry building was here a long time, which is a lot the remodeling of it and, and people to come in and then if you call, if you ha you have a hundred lawyers and one of them does maritime, all of a sudden that's a maritime use. Uh, it, well, lucky for everybody, I won't uh, be be here on it. But it it seems to me, I'm not, uh, I'm just not sure what. But I, I think the the thing of maritime has been observed more in the breach than it's been in the in the act activity of course it was when the act had or there wasn't a lot of uh, it was break bulk cargo and in in finger piers and, and not a lot of stuff like this bit in the waterfront okay yeah I think I understand it which I don't but that's cool thank you ma'am thank you and thank you, Senator Burton. You were out of the room when I wanted to just express my gratitude for all of your public service. So anyway, um, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you very much. Thank you, Diane. We really appreciate your presentation. Is there any public comment in the room? I drive everybody nuts. If not, Corey will provide instructions now for our remote participants. Thank you, President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on item 13A. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. And at this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment. Thank you, Corey. You're welcome. Commissioner Lee. Um, I think it's a great plan. I think, in general, for me, um, all I hear is about, you know, transportation and subways and, you know, you know, 2030, all the car companies are going electric. And no matter what people might think, they're not all going to take public transportation. You have seniors that need assistance, you know, that needs to be closer to the curb. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to see some spots that are, are, you know, designated for, you know, obviously people that still use cars. Uh, even, even delivery trucks and things are going to go electric. And, you know, there should be some incentive parking for trucks, you know, of course not in the way of traffic, but you know, some incentive places where, you know, if that's gonna be the future, I mean, people are all not gonna be, 
you know, taking public transportation and hopefully, you know, public safety will be a lot better years down the road, but people still don't trust, uh, you know, they still like the confinement of their own vehicles. Right. Um, I don't see really in the plan, I see that you are making efforts to accommodate electric cars and things like that, but I don't really see like, is there any designated spots, you know? Like when you do retail or any new spaces, are they gonna have like maybe a special parking lot that they have uh, EV chargers or things? Uh, you know, some incentives for people can be, you know, uh, more low carbon vehicles to make deliveries when they come to the port, you know? Some fleets might have electric, you know, trucks and some have, you know, the other trucks and they would say, well, when you go down to the port, better take these trucks, you know? And that's the kind of thing I would like to see in the plan, if there's some incentives to use these electric cars because they're gonna happen. Yes. I know, I know S, if it was S, SFMTA's way, they would all make us take the bus. But, you know, some of us are getting up there and we can't walk that far yes. to the bus. So I'm just thinking that the plan should have some more um, things like that in the plan. There are actually uh, policies related to parking, uh, visitor parking, a recognition that some people don't have access to transit. Um, so it's a little bit difficult because I'm kind of hitting specific little topics without um, being able to convey the whole thing there. Mm -hmm. But um, rest assured that both from uh, loading and passenger zone area, MTA actually does do that quite well okay. and will plan and does plan with the port staff across um, all of our portfolio for those zones. Uh, for parking, um, we had some spirited debates about parking in the waterfront plan process to talk about that very issue. And for that reason, there are policies there, but at the same time, we want to embrace and live by the city's overall objectives to reduce our carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And so there are policies in the plan under our environmental sustainability chapter that also speak to those environmental principles. Okay, those were not forgetting, forgotten because, like you say, it's supposed to be all access for everyone. Right. And there's gonna be people that still insist on driving their cars. So I just don't want them to be canceled out. Great, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Gilman. Um, Diane, thank you so much for the report. It was really helpful. I just had a clarifying question because I mm -hmm. wanted to make sure I understand it correctly. So on page 13 of the staff report, and when you were looking at the last side, this is about um, BCDC mm -hmm. and the 50% rule, yes. which seems incredibly antiquated and not an enhancement at all for folks who are stewards of the port. So we are proposing in this updated plan to remove that rule yes. for our whole waterfront. Correct. For the entire waterfront. Correct. And do we need BCDC approval for that? Yes, we do. So we worked with BCDC to remove it for the northeast waterfront section and that the Fisherman's Wharf area to the north of that and the southern waterfront to the south of that still have those 50% rule, old rules. We want to eliminate the, those old rules there and have the same policy that currently is in the northeast waterfront apply to the full seven and a half mile waterfront. Okay. Well, if whatever we can do as commissioner, I'll speak for myself, but what, as commissioner to help 
expedite that I think is really important. I think we need to have a unified use for our whole entire waterfront from an equity perspective and from an ability to attract development that is appropriate and trust consistent to the peers for this infrastructure work. We can't do it alone. It needs to be in public-private partnerships. So I just really wanted to make sure I was reading it right that we were not leaving out any section or not leaving out, I want to ensure that we're not leaving out the southeast section of the waterfront. Correct. And removing this rule. So Absolutely. That was my one clarifying question and incredible work. And we received emails and letters of support from the community uh, on how much you've done community outreach. So I just really want to thank you for your due diligence and how you engage the public in these revisions. So thank you. Thank you. Vice President Adams. Thank you, Diane, for a very, very comprehensive report. Uh, I was shocked to see you. I was asking <laughs> President <laughs> Brandt. But anyway, no, this this is good. Um, this this thing is moving, moving right along. And like I said, you've always given your heart and soul. So it's, you know, it's more to come. But uh, I, I like what I see here. And uh, I appreciate the uh, input from the uh, other commissioners. Thank you. Thank you. Diane, thank you for the wonderful report, and it's always great to see you. And thank you so much for coming back and helping us through this process. And I know when this is done, we'll find something else for you. So my fellow commissioners have had great points. I'm just wondering about the um, walking and cycling destination. <laughs> The walking, walking and cycling destination, the Embarcadero walking and cycling destination. And um, we've had several conversations regarding the promenade and who should be allowed to use it. And we've had a lot of conflict with cyclists and pedestrians and electric vehicles and, you know, the whole thing. Right. And so I think the commission has, has asked for more information on you know, the uses along the promenade. And I think we've all said very clearly that pedestrians should have the right of way. That we, as many bicycles as we can get into the bicycle lanes would be phenomenal, whether they're electric or not. So it seems like this particular section has been softened because originally it talked about the challenges of the cyclists and the pedestrians and public safety and how it's brought additional challenges with electrical with electric vehicles. So I, I really want to make sure, because I'm not quite sure who provided the input for this section. Um, the, the revisions? The, MTA, provi MTA staff provided comments on some. <laughs> However, I would like to just um, make clear that I had understood that there was a question about whether the plan really addressed this issue. And so some of the text here that I included did not come from MTA. That was actually text revisions that port staff made to try and provide more clarity. And maybe we didn't hit that mark yet. Um, although I, am, I have been following um, the discussions that this commission has had with MTA about the Embarcadero Enhancement Project in particular, which is also connected to uh, taking a look at the port code about what kind of rules 
that um, we should be establishing on an operational basis on priority of users uh, of the promenade. Mm -hmm. Because right now, the current language is a little bit blurred, mm -hmm. and that's contributed to different interpretations and confusion. Mm -hmm. So the plan policies would really support your further efforts, whether you want to make revisions to the, uh, the port code uh, or further MOU or other agreements with MTA about how to administer the um, bikeway along the Embarcadero. Um, those are more fine-grained operational kinds of decisions that these policies are really intended to support, even though they may not speak to that fine a grain in right, this long-range right. plan. Right, right, but this kind of makes it look like it's okay for cyclists, electric or not, to be on the promenade. And we're trying to get away from that. Okay. And so we're trying to say that the promenade is pedestrians first. You know, it, and if it has to get to the point where we have to adopt a sidewalk code like the rest of the city and county of San Francisco where you have to be a certain age to be able to ride on a sidewalk, you know, it's because the promenade has, I mean, we, what we want is to, to attract more people to the waterfront. And okay. the more crowded it gets and I the more different modes of transportation we have, we have to have something that, because public safety is just not at its best right Correct. now. So I'm looking at page seven where in the bold it says the Embarcadero, a walking and cycling destination. And then immediately after, it says the Embarcadero Promenade. And I guess that's what you're pointing to is um, the Embarcadero, the right-of-way, the roadway plus the promenade itself are uh, meccas for walkers and bikers. But I think maybe what we can say is um, if we made a change to, say, the Embarcadero and cross out promenade in this context is one of the most popular walking and cycling routes in the Bay Area because when you're on the roadway with the bikeways that are being created now, it is on the Embarcadero. It is, you know, an important recreational facility. And maybe it was just that inclusion of the term promenade in this sentence that can throw people off mm -hmm. from the outset that we could uh, make that change to the plan language and reduce that ambiguity. I wanted to chime in to say the Embarcadero issue about whether bicycles are prohibited, that change will happen in the port code. So fundamentally, that's where that change would occur. Um, so the plan language we s would be supportive of a potential future change. So I like where you're headed, but I wanted to remind the commissioners that that's our next step after more dialogue is to pull that code out and make the decision there. Okay. This, this edit here, though, that I just described, you know, we could make that now. So in the second paragraph of page 7, where it says the Embarcadero, a walking and cycling destination. That is a subheading in the plan right now, but then when you start with the paragraph, if we deleted promenade and we just call it the Embarcadero is one of the most mm -hmm. popular walking mm -hmm. and cycling well, routes, mm -hmm. um, would that yes, help? That, that would help. Okay. <clears throat> we can um, add that change. But then in the second paragraph, I mean the paragraph after that also where it says who thus 
choose to ride on the Embarcadero Promenade. It, Senator Burton. A promenade, by its only phrase, it means it doesn't mean a lot of cycling. It means people walking. And I think, and we've had um, people probably be happy. This will be my last shot. But we went round and round a little bit with MTA because they're a life of their own. But the promenade meant, to my, my opinion, to encourage a promenade, not a bunch of, mm -hmm. I'm walking and you're riding your bike. And so it seemed, and I, I, I could be wrong and I'd yield to, to the president, but it seemed like that language would be, I make it more ambiguous. I mean, to me, but I'm, I'm kind of a walker, not, you know, not a biker. Right. But yes, I. Go ahead. I understand that point, and um, to Director Forbes' point, that port code language is what has created this um, confusion that we need to sort out. Um, you know, again, similar to this one word deletion that I was proposing earlier, it's, you know, I, we could consider also taking out, uh, deleting this one phrase that refers to the promenade in one, two, three, the third paragraph, the last statement. So it would say, because the original bike lanes on the Embarcadero are narrow and exposed to heavy vehicle traffic, they are not comfortable for many cyclists, period. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we could delete the rest of that sentence mm -hmm. because now that we are working with MTA to develop the bikeways in the enhancement project, it really, I think, is making a difference mm -hmm. in the way that cyclists um, ride along the Embarcadero. Mm -hmm. And so this statement is really unnecessary, this last, um, you know, those who choose to ride on the Embarcadero Promenade, I don't think that we need to right. keep that right. forever. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if that would help to reduce the ambiguity and the confusion, I think those are changes we can make pretty easily. I mean, because at this point, everybody's allowed on the promenade, everybody. Mm -hmm. There's no restriction. But a bike Electric. lane is a bike lane. Yeah. You'll get run over if you walk in the bike lane. Right. Correct. Electric so, vehicles are prohibited from the promenade. So electric, the scooters and all those are prohibited. The pedicabs are allowed. Yes. I, I would suggest, and I think we're, we're hearing loud and clear from the commission that you're looking for a policy that prefers walkers that is a pedestrian-oriented policy for the Embarcadero Promenade. Unless you want to build pedestrian lanes. Which we don't, we don't want to do. <laughs> and right now we have a multi-path regulation that doesn't have that. We have moved in the direction of making it much more comfortable for walkers and encouraging bikers into the bike lanes with signage. And we think it's moving mode split a lot, but we don't know if it's there yet. What I would suggest is we continue the policy conversation. We see if we want to change regulation um, to something more like a city sidewalk. And that, Diane, you take some time offline with these plan amendments that we've just discussed. 
you work very hard on this precise language, so I suggest you take that offline and then present back okay. at, the, at the next item uh, to see where we land. Um, I think it's a very important policy conversation. We don't want our plan to be behind where the commission is in your thinking. Uh, so I think we've gotten good direction here. Thank you. Vice President Adams. I'm going I'm to address this at the mic because I know that Commissioner Burton almost got ran over. And I walk down that Embarcadero every day. And I tell you, I've been going on that for 10 years. And every morning, there's people on those bicycles. They're flying down there on those bicycles. And they are going to run over somebody real bad. And if we're not proactive, we will be having a different conversation at this commission meeting. And somebody will say, you knew this was happening, wasn't happening. I see it all the time. I'm always having to get out of the way because these guys are flying on these bicycles and, and these motor, they don't care. They're just going wide open. They think that it's okay. And one day something's going to happen. There's going to be a big altercation. And then we're going to say, uh, Director Forbes is going to get a call. Somebody seriously injured or was killed. And then we're going to be having a different conversation at this commission meeting. Yeah. And I know Commissioner Burton a couple of times, he almost got ran over down there. And this, this is something that we got, we, got, we got to get a handle on it. I mean, because you got people out there with their kids and stuff, people out there with their dogs and stuff, and they can't be jumping around and stuff like that. It's really supposed to be for pedestrians. So I think we really need to take this thing on because, it, like I'm saying, something bad's going to happen, and then we will be reacting. Thank you. Any other comments or questions on this item? Diane, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the work that's gone into this. Thank, thank you. you. Next item, please. Item 14 is new business. Yes, uh, it ain't a good way to legislate. I mean, get it back to where she I haven't recorded any new business, commissioners, right. and Commissioner the meeting Gomez, is there. Do you have any new business? Yeah. Um, so I just had two things. I, um, I didn't want to raise them during your um, director's report because I did. I wanted the spotlight to shine on um, Commission Senator Burton. Um, I just had um, three things I just wanted to briefly mention. Um, one, I'm hoping, and this is not time sensitive, so I'd like to take the time and diligence to do it right. I'd like a interdepartmental informational on where we are on our, ven our street vending, particularly on Little Embarcadero. Um, I was there two weekends ago, and I do want to say this for the public record, um, and was dismayed to see blatant um, advertised alcohol sales um, and cannabis sales to individuals without um, checking of ID um, or proper licensing. Um, I know this is a complex issue, um, but I think as a visitor center, and particularly with its proximity to Pier 39, which is a family-oriented um, attraction, we really need to get... Um, all of our vending licensed and proper, uh, but particularly to discourage the legal sale of cannabis and alcohol. Um, so I'm hoping we can have this informational hearing on progress. I'd like to ensure that we invite the Department of Public Health, um, SFPD, um, and, any, uh, and Department of Public Works. Uh, I'm asking that they be present and present because we can't, as a port staff, do this alone. Um, so that was just one thing um, I wanted to mention. Um, and then I just did want to acknowledge also the public comment that was in the room um, for Alcatraz Cruz and the labor agreements um, as someone myself who's negotiated labor contracts. I really hope that Alcatraz um, cru um, City Cruises will, um, 
will negotiate in good faith and bring, and bring those workers to the table. They are another critical part of the waterfront um, for the whole city, but particularly for the Northeast sector. I'm sorry to have such heavy topics at, at the end. And then I was hoping if my fellow commissioners would indulge me that we could actually adjourn the meeting in the memories of the families who lost their loved ones in both the Monterey Park um, and Half Moon, Half Moon Bay mass shootings that occurred this week. It is so unfortunate for those families to lose their loved ones, particularly right before Lunar New Year's, hoping we could adjourn um, in our condolences for those families. So is that a motion? I guess that's a motion. Do I need to make a motion for that? Second. <laughs> All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? I got a couple of new business items. Oh, shoot. So, Sorry can, about can that. Can I sc scoot it in? So I, I just have a question. Is um, uh, when are we going to get, or can I get, um, the listing of whatever leases have been terminated, or or how many are presently available? I'd like to have some kind of uh, information so we could start working on getting the word out. And you know, when I was uh, in the earlier presentations about the uh, um, job opportunities, you know, like when there's new contract opportunities. How, how do we incorporate that with our, you're doing a great job with, uh, with the postings on Facebook about the property and what they have to offer, but it'd be nice to have, you know, maybe what, maybe jobs or minority contracts that might be available. It could be also posted on things like, you know, Facebook or Instagram or something like that to get the more uh, smaller businesses that are younger. And those are the two items, um, you know, I like to have, uh, around or presently because a lot of people are asking because um, the whole thing in 2023 is to get the cash flow back on port and I think just having them lay around empty is not doing us any favors. I'd also want to request to update us at some point on how are we doing on the backfill of those that have retired from the port and those that have left and how are we doing to make sure that we keep Team San Francisco as strong as it should be and, and having that strong bench. Is that something you could do? I mean, I that, think so. I'm thinking about it actually. Um, yes, I think there's a, several things that we could talk about relative to our hiring program and how many resources we have. It typically takes the city a very, very long time to fill a position and the port is not immune to that process. It has taken us a lot of time to backfill critical positions. There have been many positions that have gone vacant too long uh, for our operational uh, needs, especially in the real estate team, actually, and some of the things um, Commissioner Lee just asked are, are major initiatives on the real estate team's list, like uh, advertising properties, finding one place to advertise properties, um, et cetera. Uh, so hiring has been a challenge. I think we could have a... Um, I have to work with the city attorney, but we could talk about bringing the HR team and talking about how we're prioritizing our plan and how we're filling positions. It's certainly something the leadership team works very hard with HR on, and we've added a lot of resources to this budget. So we've hired three, three new HR resources just in the near term. So I'll think about how to bring that to the commission. Um, there's always closed session when you talk about my performance and we have an opportunity to talk through succession planning, et cetera. So there may be a two-prong two strategy to get answers to your question. I'm more interested, uh, Director Forbes, and how are we doing? Because I know a lot of people across the city and even across America are having a hard time finding workers. 
to fill these jobs. Oh, they yeah. say it's like over a million jobs mm -hmm. in the state of California that they can't fill. And I just wanted to know, are yeah. we just like everybody else having the same problem trying to fill to get people to, to come to work for us? That's yes. All. Yeah. yes, absolutely. We'll talk about that. Okay, thank you. And, and speaking of, the tech sector is going to have a lot of available people soon. There'll probably be a lot of talented people looking for jobs coming up. Amazon, you know, yep, you know, everybody. You know. Is there any other new business? We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? The meeting is adjourned at 554, <laughs> 53, 54 p.m. <laughs> 553 p.m. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Ooh. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.